I'm in Moree, in northern New South Wales, an area known for its winter crops. Wheat, barley, chickpeas. There's a lot of cows, too. I'm here by the Mihai River to meet a guy who calls himself a bush poet. You must be Murray. Uh, I am. You must be Henry. Yes, sir. Good to meet you. Great to meet you, mate. Murray Harton. Got a few blokes here you want to meet? Absolutely. Oscar Pierce. Oscar, how do you do, sir? Henry Rowan. Nice to meet you, Henry. His father, Rowan. Henry. Sir, how do you do? Mitchell Johnson, the owner of this place. I've come here to talk to him about his poem, Rain From Nowhere. But as the night goes on, it turns into a chat with all the men sitting around the campfire, Murray's mates. I guess that's the nature of campfires, a place people have sat around for hundreds of thousands of years, talking and telling stories. The smoke smells great, and to hear the stories these guys are telling, with their faces painted by the firelight, it felt like being in on a secret. So we sat together, putting more wood on the fire, and talked deep into the night. This is Tough Conversations, an original podcast series with Mercedes-Benz X-Class. I'm Henry Rollins. While sitting around the campfire, it didn't take long for the conversation to turn to the environment. This has happened at almost every stop we've made on this trip, actually. One of Murray's friends put it like this. Out here, men fight over whiskey, but they kill over water. Because no matter how good a farmer you are, you're up against some major forces. So while out here in Moree, I want to find out how the environment, the landscape, has impacted these guys and their ideas around toughness. Just a heads up, this episode really is a tough conversation. If you or anyone you know needs help, please see the show notes for info on who you can contact. Having lived out here for part of your life, which I think is incredibly beautiful, but it looks pretty rugged, and also living in a city, being able to understand these two worlds, what is your interpretation? Like, if I asked you to define tough, what, what would your answer be? Oh, well, I think tough is getting up every day and doing what you've got to do. If, if you want to talk about in the bush, you know, when you've got, as I say, we've got... We've got couple of farmers here, you know, we've got, we're in a farming district. No matter how good a farmer you are, you can't control the weather. I mean, it, I think toughness is not, it, it's not, it's not beating the hell out of somebody, it's not this, it's just doing what you've got to do, looking after your mates and looking after your family, and, and I think it's a very simple thing, I don't think, it's, I don't think it has to be measured in, 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 uh, in, in kilograms or weights or whatever the sort, I think it's attitude and, and mental toughness is, the, is probably the toughest side of it, you know. And that's the biggest problem in the bush that we have is that we've got young young people, old people that are that are finding it tough because mentally they may be not seeking the support they need, and so yeah, the toughness is, is asking for it, and then and then and then also having good people around you to make sure you, you get through. I want to talk to you about your poem "Rain from Nowhere," which I've read a couple of times, and I'm going to ask you to recite it eventually. Mm-hmm. But before that, I want you to. Give me some context, why you wrote it, like what brought you to write it, because it's, it's a hell of a piece of work and it says so much. And so if you can give me some historical context as to why you wrote it. 2006, coming into 2007, it was a pretty bad drought was on. And, uh, and you heard stories, things like, uh, and which I put into the poem about a bloke, a dairy farmer, I think it was, that I'd heard, whether it was true or not, had uh, taken his cattle in to sell them. He didn't get a bid on them. So what could he do? His plan was to come back, shoot his cattle, 
and because he didn't, I didn't want to watch him, didn't want to let him starve to death, right. and then shoot himself. Anyway, I uh, it was 21st of February 2007, and I woke up with a couple of lines. And you're a poet. Sometimes you don't remember which ones they are, but if you don't act on them, they disappear. And yes. I, I sat down and I wrote the poem in uh, in under three hours. And um, while I didn't set out to try to write the quintessential poem about drought and depression and, and hope, um, it sort of just happened that way. Sometimes the good things just sort of come out. If you if you would, if yeah. you could recite Rain from Nowhere for yeah. us, that would be great. <clears throat> His cattle didn't get a bid. Mind you, they were fairly bloody poor. What was he gonna do? He couldn't feed them anymore. The dams were all but dry. Hay was 13 bucks a bale. And last month's talk of rain was just a fairy tale. His credit had run out, no chance to pay what's owed. And bad thoughts ran through his head as he drove down Gully Road. Gee, his great granddad bought the place back in 1898. Now I'm such a useless bastard. I have to shut the gate. I can't feed my wife and kids. Not like Dad and those before. Crikey's grandma kept it going while Pop fought in the war. But depression now he's master. He abandoned what was right. He thought there's no place in life for failure. He'd end it all tonight. While there were still some things to do, he'd have to shoot the cattle first. Of all the jobs he'd ever done, you know, that'd be the worst. Then he'd shower, watch the news, they'd all sit down for tea, read his kids a bedtime story and, and watch some more TV, kiss his wife goodnight, say he was off to shoot some ruse, then in a paddock far away, he'd blow away the blues. But he drove in the gate and stopped as he always had to check the roadside mailbox. And he found a letter from his dad. Now his dad was not a writer, mum did all the cards and mail but he knew the writing from the notebooks that he kept from cattle sales. He sensed the nature of its contents. He felt the moisture in his eyes. Just the fact his dad had written was enough to make him cry. Son, I know it's bloody tough. It's a cruel and twisted game, this life upon the land when you're screaming out for rain. There's no candle in the darkness, not a single speck of light. But mate, don't let the demon get you. You have to do what's right. I don't know what's in your head, but push the nasty thoughts away. You'll always have your family at the back end of the day. You have to talk to someone, and yeah, mate, I know I rarely did, but you've got to think about Fiona and think about the kids. See, I'm worried about your son. You haven't phoned for quite a while. And I know the road you're on, old mate, because, geez, I've walked every bloody mile. The date, December 7, back in 1983. Behind the shed, I had the shotgun rested by the Brigalow tree. So I borrowed way too much to buy the Johnson place. It didn't rain for years and we got bombed by interest rates. The bank was at the door. I didn't think I had a choice. I began to squeeze the trigger. And that's when I heard your voice. You said, where are you, Daddy? It's time to play our game. I've got squatter all set up. You know, we might get general rain. It really was that close. And you're the one that stopped me, son. And you're the one that taught me there's no answer in the gun. Just remember people love you. Good mates won't let you down. And look, you might have to swallow pride and take that job in town just till things come good. You've always got a choice. And when you get this letter, ring me, mate, because, geez, I'd love to hear your voice. Well, he cried and laughed and shook his head and he put the truck in gear. He shut his eyes and hugged his dad in a vision that was clear. He dropped the cattle at the yards, 
He put the truck away. He filled the troughs the best he could and fed his last 10 bales of hay. Then he strode towards the homestead, shoulders back, head held high. He still knew the road was tough, but now there was a purpose in his eye. He called his wife and children who'd lived through all his pain. Hugs said more than words. He'd come back to them again. Then they spoke of silver linings and how good times always follow bad. Then he walked towards the phone and he picked it up and he rang his dad. And as his kids set up the squatter, he hugged his wife again. Then they heard the roll of thunder and they smelt the smell of rain. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to, to hear you say it in your voice. And uh, I'm no critic, but if I can tell you my favorite part of that was his, his mother did all the writing, yeah. but he recognizes his father writing from just the business he had to do. And he realized that his dad's reaching out, which is yeah. obviously not his way. Yeah. And that, that to me is, a, is such a, a beautiful, it's my favorite part of that. It's interesting to say that because it's really the only part of it that's me in a sense, in that that's the only way I knew my, my dad's handwriting was from his F and G books, the Farmers and Graziers books, or his signature on a check. That's because right. he, he never, that's all you saw. Yeah. yeah, so you, you never wrote a letter. Yeah. Well, that's you bringing in your own experience to tell a bigger story. His dad never really talked to him, yeah. so he said, that's how I'm going to be a man and a father. I don't talk, I hold it in. And then his dad brings him back from the edge. That's uh, it's, it's incredible. It it's, teaches such a great lesson. The poem speaks of one isolated situation. What happens in a family it takes place you know, in one instant and a life is saved. But it speaks of a much bigger problem that is happening in this country. And it speaks to male toughness working against someone. Like these guys are tough where they can't admit there's a problem, as you said, you know, come on, you know, you're fine, let's go. Whereas everything is not fine. You know, humans are pretty fragile creatures. A psyche is an easy thing to break. And I was really taken by how, you know, moved I was by your work. Uh, when you, you put out Rain From Nowhere, when it was formally released, uh, what was the feedback like? Yeah, well, it, it, it snuck out, I said via email, I sent it to a mate who sent it to another mate in, in Winton in sort of central Australia. And, so it almost started virally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and within a couple of weeks, I had emails coming in from around Australia and as far away as New Zealand and Canada and Greece and a few phone calls. And, and um, yeah, so it just, it, as I said, it, it just sort of touched a nerve um, and, and people responded to it because it wasn't, it wasn't it, it, it's not a harsh poem as by... It's a, it's a gentle poem about a harsh subject. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, a lot of people identified with it. Mm. They had an uncle like that. Their father was like that. Mm. They might have read it and went, wow, I'm like that. Maybe mm. I need to, to do something yeah. about it. And if you're getting letters from as far away as Greece, this is not an Australian issue. Yeah. This is a... This is a bigger one. That was, and that was the thing about it. While it was about a farm and his son, it, it actually, it actually was ended up being accidentally about all sorts of relationships. And and in, in that situation where yeah, the father or the farmer, the or the, the husband, is keeping it all in, puts a lot of pressure on the wife. Yeah. Puts a fair bit of pressure on the kids. Sure. You know, and these these things I hadn't really thought about, and it comes through later on. So, it, 
why it touched so so many people, I think, it's not just about a farmer and his son, it's about any form of relationship and it's about that communication level that sometimes doesn't exist and it has to be, you have know, got to open up those lines of communication sure. to help get to the root of the problem, you know. Right. I, I had some pretty pretty uh, emotional contact from people who I'd never met okay. who came up to me and, and said that the poem had saved them from killing themselves and that that's pretty hard, you know, that's pretty confronting in a sense because I... You know, it was just, it's, it's, it's words, and, and words are, you know, they're powerful. You wrote this poem and saved some lives, if we are to believe what these people told you, and I, I'm, I'm betting they're not yeah. lying to you. It's, it's a hell of a thing to have done, because your heart just goes out to these families that are left behind, mm. these wives and kids who have nothing but questions for the rest of their lives, mm. and this poor guy who just saw no way out of it, because tradition and culture hemmed him into yeah. an, in, an inflexible position. Well, well if, if his father never told him how tough he did it, it could be because his father never told him how tough he did it. There's, in, in, the, in the, the son that's doing it now, in his mind there's a generational sense of failure. Yeah. Because how come they could do it and I can't? So here's a question for you. Um, it's, it's about what you addressed in Rain From Nowhere. Uh, this, the toughness, the inability to express your problems and talk about your issues. Um, as far as Australia goes, where do you think that kind of toughness comes from? You know, if you go way back to, to the early days, the settling of Australia from a European point of view and then the farming, they were a long way from anywhere and the, the, next, the next door neighbour was a long way away. There was, there was you and your missus and your kids. Who did you talk to? And right. you, you couldn't go and start, you know, and cry to your wife. Right. And say, listen, I can't do this anymore. She said, well, you're going to have to. <laughs> right. You know, it's going to be hard to get help from 40 mile away and, and you know, when they're, they're in a horse and buggy type situation. So I think it, it comes from that. So you just had to be tough and they had to work it out. And the, the way you did it was you went out and just worked harder. And if it didn't rain, you just worked harder. That question, where does that quiet, stoic, Australian bushman kind of tough come from? Got a lot of the guys around the campfire talking, like Rowan, Murray's mate, and Rowan's son, Oscar. You know, try and save money. A lot of farmers are really independent, so they'll try and do their own maintenance, say on their machinery, particularly say an older machine. They'll do their own. They'll do all their all the maintenance on themselves. You know, whether it's an old truck or an old tractor, they'll they'll look after it. They won't call a mechanic. You know, whereas with a new machine, they'll probably call a track call the mechanic as soon as there's a problem and, and get someone out to check it straight away. And I think the analogy is there that most. Farmers and most people in rural communities have that self-independence, that resilience and toughness to do it themselves. Yeah. And they treat their mental health and their mind like it's their 50-year-old tractor or truck and they try and look it after themselves and just deal with it by yourself. And you don't go and seek that professional opinion or that expert help, even though it's right there. And it's like you could call a mechanic or you could call someone to talk to, and but you tend to treat you treat your mental health more like you would your oldest truck and just do it yourself on the cheap. And, right. mm. and that, that independence is part of that problem that Murray's talking about, that lack of socialisation. I, I reckon some of the t- <laughs> toughness and not talking about things comes from our huge involvement in World War One. We were only a tiny little country, but we had about, I think there were less than five million Australians and we had half a million people and joined the army and we had many more casualties in, than the United States in World War One. And we had some of the highest casualties of any country in the world. 
And of course, the horror of the Western Front, you couldn't talk about it to people you loved because it would send them mad as well. So the idea was you came home and you just buttoned up and you shut up and it was very unmanly to break down and say, well, I killed a man. But I, I reckon that's where, mm. in the 20th century, that's where the idea of, if you, if you, talk, if you talk about it, you're not a man, yeah. came in. And a whole generation had trauma. Mm. And didn't talk about it. And if they did, they were told to man up and get on with it. There's, you know, like, there's always a story. Yep, my dad never talked about it. Yeah. You know, my, my uncle never talked about it. Mm. Um, I got a poem called The Slouch Hat, which is what, you know, our army blokes wore. And I've got a line in it that, um, I'll just give you the first little bit of it, because it goes, um, there's, a, there's a slouch hat in my lounge room, pristine and never worn, standing watch atop a globe, dawn till dusk and dusk till dawn. It will never go to battle, never ask the question why, but it sings to me a sapper's lullaby. It won't play footy by the pyramids, won't taste the Kokoda's mud, won't feel the heat of Vietnam, nor be stained by good men's blood, won't trade shrapnel in the chaos on a beach at Anzac Cove, but it tells me quietly why the rough men go. But that one line that says it won't feel the heat of Vietnam, which is a double edge in a sense, because not just the heat of the of, of, of the country they were in, but the heat that they got when they got home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've done that and I'll get blokes coming up and just say thanks. And they're nearly crying at that one line, you know. Yeah, I, I'm hoping in this century that there's a lot of changes in Australia, in this, this cultural change where hardworking people are un, going under lots of pressure and feeling lots of anxiety and depression will feel it's okay to verbalize it, to reach out, find a helpline, or have a mate who likes them enough to say, you know what, you're coming with me next week. I'm gonna go, we're gonna go see this poet. We're gonna go to a meeting and you're coming with me or I'm gonna drag you out of your house. And you know, caring enough because uh, this, kind of, this kind of death and this kind of agony, it's, it's, it's preventable. And if it's something preventable, I think it's incumbent upon anyone who knows to be part of the prevention. Yeah. Uh, in the last, say, 15 years, there's been an advent of, of, of different charities coming together like Beyond Blue and Black Dog Institute and the Salvation Army and, and the communities are getting together as well to, to reinvent the local hall as a, to get people talking about it. There's been a, a, a major destigmatizing of, of depression, that, that it is a condition and it can be treated, whereas in the old days in the bush it was like, harden up, mate, you know, yeah. toughen up, you know, what's wrong with you? And there were also a lot of deathbed scenarios where, you know, 90-year-old farming dads were telling their 70-year-old sons that they were, you know, oh, I'm proud of you and I love you. And so well, that's great, Debbie, you could have told me 50 years ago. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, but now you see big hunking sons go up and hug their dad and say, I love you, Dad, you know? It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't work with everybody. But it, it, but it has changed. And so then you, when you do rain from nowhere, look, tough men cry. I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to making the campfire, and uh, thank you for your poem. Thanks for coming along. You got it. No worries. Now, you got to clean up now. <laughs> that was Murray Harton. And the thing I really took away from that chat is how much toughness, especially our idea of toughness, is intergenerational. It's inherited. So after weeks on the road, Hundreds and hundreds of miles and hours spent talking to Australians about what it is to be tough. This is what I've learned. That toughness is a state of mind. When you're a farmer without water, you got to get through it. Like, you don't think it's tough at the time. It's only in retrospect. Like, well, damn, that was tough. But in the middle of it, you're like, 
we got to eat. We got to keep going. And so it's all about your head. It's not muscles or tattoos or your neighborhood. It's just like you never quit. And that seems to be kind of the spirit of Australia because you'll have droughts again. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You just never go, oh, it's over. You never say die, basically. That's not only Australian, that's human. And that's what toughness is all about. I'm Henry Rollins, and this is Tough Conversations with Mercedes-Benz X-Class. The evolution of tough. Never before has a workhorse had so much style and sophistication. But don't let that fool you. It has all the performance and off-road capabilities you'd expect. Come for the ride and follow my journey at xclass.com.au. If this episode brought up any stuff for you, get in touch with Beyond Blue at beyondblue.org.au or in Australia on 1300 4636 If you're in an emergency or at immediate risk of harm to yourself or others, please contact emergency services on triple zero.